This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorse, David Lynch and Theo Squires alongside me. We'll take a look back at the Champions League win over RB Leipzig shortly and look ahead to the Wolves game on Monday night. I have a feeling it might be a slightly more positive and upbeat podcast than has been the case on a few occasions over the last few weeks. But Gorsty, I'll come to you first and there's only really one place to start. Fabinho was back in midfield for the first time since October the 17th. And Liverpool suddenly looked a lot, a lot better. They did. And, and I don't think that's any slight on Fabinho in defence because I actually think he's probably been one of Liverpool's best performers this season whenever he's played. But almost instantly, uh, probably inside the first 10 or 15 minutes, you noticed how much uh, how much of a different proposition Liverpool looked with him in midfield. Um, and it wasn't just what he brought to the team in terms of um, closing the spaces, getting his blocks and his tackles in and his interceptions. It's also got a bit of an underrated passing range as well, but um, I just felt that he allowed Thiago Alcantara to play his normal game and Gino Wijnaldum to play his his natural game, and, and it just you know helped Liverpool no end in there, and especially with an inexperienced backline of Kabak and, and Nat Phillips. Uh, for me, they've just got to continue on now. Klopp has to just kind of accept that um, they're not a perfect you know defensive partnership. The young, they're inexperienced. You know, neither of them you would say. Are, an elite level, but neither have really put a foot wrong this season. So um, I'd continue on with them for as long as possible until the inevitable centre-back injury strikes again for one of them. But Liverpool just looks such a just a, such a different team with a proper midfield, two genuine bona fide centre-backs in there, and um, for all the kind of criticism and debate and you know downtrodden kind of. Atmosphere that, that we've uh, we've given to this podcast over the last few weeks. Liverpool still had eight Champions League winners in that team on uh, on Wednesday night, and um, just looked so much. You know, it was just a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? Just having um, Fabinho back in there, Mane and Salah getting on the score sheets, and I just I just think that everything good about Liverpool came from having Fabinho restored to that defensive midfield position. And Klopp said that after the game, the knees the best in the world in, in that position. So. Seems um, it would be a strange move to, to take someone out of there going forward. So for me, he's got to carry on as I've come back and Phillips, and um, let's just see where Liverpool end up. It was a, a huge sort of difference that it, it made, wasn't it, David? I know you weren't massively impressed, and, and neither was I, to be honest, with with RB Leipzig. Do you think, to an extent, possibly the, the sort of difference was down to the fact that Leipzig played into Liverpool's hands a little bit? Or do you think it, it was more the case that, that Fabinho moving there just gave Liverpool a lot better balance? I think you can you can say that Fabinho was a massive influence on that fact because, you know, you look back to the first leg and I think Liverpool probably a little bit fortunate to come away with a 2-0 win that night. You know, they were, they were probably better than a lot of the games around that period. But the two goals come from mistakes, whereas this one, it was just a case of Liverpool were relentless. They created chance after chance. Um, completely in control of the game and, and came away from this one with the same scoreline but having fully deserved it and a much better performance. So although I wasn't impressed with, with Leipzig in either leg, I think the fact that, that Liverpool's performance was a, was a level above this this time said a lot about uh, what Fabinho brings to midfield and, and Gorsi touched on it there about what he did to Thiago as well um, in terms of his performance. It, was, it wasn't just a case of him being let off the leash and, and being allowed to do all these creative things. It was it almost gave him a freedom to sort of be on the front foot and press and win the ball. You know, he's, I think when he came off the pitch, he'd, he'd won more tackles than any other Liverpool player, um, more recoveries. And 
to those sort of statistics points, the fact that he was doing things that were impressive on both sides of the ball and um, and his, his stats just sort of back up what we saw, which is what was a very good performance. And just having Fabinho there is is, is so helpful, not just to, not just to Thiago as well. I think just to the team as a whole, I think his ability in, in tight spaces with the ball is massive in that position because that's exactly where teams like Leipzig want to press and put you under pressure. And, and he's just so calm. He either drops a shoulder and works his way out or he, he picks out a nice little pass through gaps. He's he's so intelligent in that way. And I think I think back to the goal that Liverpool conceded against Everton at Anfield early doors and, and the, the first couple of minutes of the game there, the ball's pinballing around in Liverpool's midfield. They can't get a grip of it in front of the defence. They lose it right there in front of the back four and then a, a free pass is on in behind. That sort of thing just doesn't happen with Fabinho. He's either more composed in possession than the Liverpool players showed in that moment, or once the ball breaks, he, he cuts it out and recycles possession. So I just think, yeah, I, I agree. They're just a massively better team with him in the number six position. And I think, although Klopp wouldn't have probably seen it as an ideal solution, is, is using the two younger lads at the back. I think it's something he's he's going to have to think about because if you've got someone who's the best in the world in their position, like you said, then I think you've got to use him there. Yeah, Theo, we'll, we'll come on to the two centre-backs and, and what you made of, of their performances shortly. But do you think there might be a temptation for certain games, maybe later on in, in the Champions League, to put Fabinho back in defence? Or do you think there's that level of trust there on the evidence of, of this game that Liverpool should just keep him there now just for the rest of this season? Uh, it's worked before, obviously, look a lot better with him in midfield. And one of the issues this season is they've had so many players out of their preferred positions. And it's been... A regular trend under Jurgen Klopp, but he's got a number of players that are versatile and can play outside of their favourite positions. You think of James Milner at fullback or Genie Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson as a number six, and then it's when you put them back in their preferred positions, think, wow, that's how good they really are. And whilst Liverpool have been able to get away with it in the past when it's only one player, be it Milner at left back or when um, Wijnaldum or Anderson deeper, when they've had to make a few changes to compensate for the loss of Van Dyke, it has added up on the whole impact on the team. So it's one where, granted, Fabinho is probably the better centre-back than Kabak and Phillips, but he's the best holding midfielder in the world and he's going to offer more protection for them there, given more stability, considering it's been a very unstable season for Liverpool. It's one where maybe you might put him in as a centre-back if you've got a comfortable home lead or something you just want to see out a tie later on or depending on away goals and it comes down to the tactics there. But Liverpool should probably stick with tried and trusted now. It is what he is good at. They've just got so much faith and ability. When you've got Fabinho behind you in that number six role, you know both fullbacks can bomb forward and they're fine. They're not going to get caught out the same way. The same security you have from Virgil van Dijk at centre-back. They're just that much better at covering ground and seeing out the danger. So it's one where if he's at centre-back, granted, he might be the best option they've got there, but he is so much better in midfield and it's probably a better balanced team there and it covers for the lesser quality at centre-back. I would actually say as well on that point that it would be an interesting debate when Jordan Henderson is fit again, and if he is fit again before the end of the season, that gives Jurgen Klopp a really difficult decision to make. I think of of the two, which ones he, he maybe moves back there, or, or if he doesn't and he just goes for full strength in midfield. I suppose that is crucial, isn't it, David? Having those options further forward. Maybe earlier on in the season, you would have had to have put one of them back there, but you know the, the fact that They've got a couple of options. Naby Keita, for the time being, at least, is fit. You've still got James Milner. You've got one or two others. You do have that option to do that at this moment in time. 
Well, that's it. I think that's what maybe will make him lean towards putting one of them back there, whether it is maybe Henderson might end up being his preferred one to move back just because Fabinho's been so solid and has such an obvious effect on the team in the number six position that when Henderson comes back and hopefully, like I say, it'll be before the end of the season, he's the one who, who drops back. And then, like you say, you've still got so many options there in that midfield and Thiago, Wijnaldum, Keita, Milner. So, um, yeah, I think I think one of them is going to end up going back there, even though we've said all this. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough call when that comes around. Gorsi, you mentioned it before, the impact on Thiago and how much better he looked with Fabinho alongside him. And we've said it plenty of times with Virgil van Dijk, you know, over his time at Liverpool. He's one of those players that's just so good that whoever's next to him is improved as well. And I think we saw that with Fabinho as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to start looking at Fabinho's importance to this team in the same kind of frame that you look at Van Dijk and uh, Alisson. Um, since you know his arrival has, has also coincided with Liverpool kind of charging towards the Champions League and, and then the Premier League. I mean, we know that Van Dijk and, and Alisson kind of take the uh, take much of the plaudits for that, but um, Fabinho's no less important. Is he, he, he cost a little bit less, but he's still what is he just below Navigator as, as the fourth most expensive Liverpool signing of all time. So this is a player who the club were willing to put a massive investment towards and um, really get behind as, as a you know a, a key figure in place for, for five years when he signed in, in the summer of 2018. And so far, he, he's really proven himself to be worth it. Um, he, as Klopp said, he, he's the, the best number six in the world in the after the game. And for me, it, it's a bit of a simple one. I mean, we can analyse... You know, to look how's come on, but as Klopp says, Fabinho is the best number six in the world. So if you've got someone who is, as Lynchy says, the best player in that position, it's um, it's foolish to, to blame anywhere else. So for me, he's just got to continue on in that position now, and whatever else, all the other dominoes that fall around them, so be it. You know, if Liverpool have issues at centre back, um, you've got Ben Davis there who's yet to make his Liverpool debut. They've obviously brought him in for a reason. So um, you know. I'd be resistant as much as I could towards moving Fabinho out of that position because um, we saw it on Wednesday night. Liverpool just looked so much different and so much more like the Liverpool that we've uh, become accustomed to over the last few years. Can we stop calling it the number six role? Can we just call it the Fabinho role? But you think we've all grown <laughs> up with that position, the Paul McAuley position, yeah. and that you think of the great Real Madrid teams, and Adin Zidane said he was the best player in that team. He was the reason they had the Galacticos and it all glued together, and they fell apart and they sold him to Chelsea. Mourinho's Chelsea were brilliant with McAuley there. You had Kante a bit later with Leicester and Chelsea. Fabinho's got that impact on Liverpool. Let's just call it the Fabinho role. He's the best holding midfielder. Let's give him the credit he deserves. Let's name the position after him. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A little bit behind the, the Fabinho role, and let's talk about the, the two centre-backs, Theo. What did you make of, of their performance? And did you think they were solid enough to, to give you some hope going forward? Uh, it was old-school defensive play, but it did the job. Uh, you think Leipzig had two target men, didn't they? Um, was it the big Paulson lad, wasn't it? And today, the lad from Palace, Soroth as well, he played, didn't he? He came uh, on at half-time, yeah. Yeah, it was always going to be uh, more playing into their hands when you've got those physical presence, especially for Nat Phillips, because you know he will just win anything in the air and head anything. And they're probably, as a pairing, better suited to these European games because the teams aren't defending the same way. Games are more open and there is a bit more physicality in there in the way uh, they're not, not getting in the Premier League this season. Um, in the Premier League, we've seen them struggle a bit against pace. 
Uh, Nat Phillips, he's probably his best performance we've seen from him so far. And Ozan Kabak, he was much improved from what we've seen before. But then his two best performances, Liverpool so far, probably come against Leipzig in the Champions League games. Um, so you just want him to build on that in the Premier League. But then we said that after the, the away leg in Budapest as well. Um, they are just better suited to European football. Hopefully getting these game times, getting this partnership going, keeping with them, it can give them that confidence and that belief. And with Fabinho giving them the added protection, you'd like to see it become a bit more secure in Premier League football. We've spoken a lot about injuries and, and the impact of those on this Liverpool team. And I think that's pretty obvious, David, over the last few months. But does this game sort of show that once you get one or two of those pieces back, Liverpool can get right back up to those levels? Because even without Van Dijk and without one or two others, they just looked a lot more like themselves with only really Fabinho back in his normal position. Well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's not just the injuries. It's the, it's the you know, injuries on injuries on injuries, you know, and, and it seems to be every week that Liverpool were picking up a new one and a new player that you've become, you've come to rely on in a certain position was, was falling by the wayside and someone else was having to come in cold to, to replace them. So it's no wonder the form uh, is dropped off so dramatically and they, they haven't been quite as good this, this season. And I think, I think, like you say, if you can just get any modicum of consistency between now and the end of the season, um, you know, maybe Fabinho playing to the... Because we forget, you know, we don't mention him in terms of the injuries, but he's had a couple this season now, the muscular injuries, and, you know, keep him in the number six till the end of the season. Can you keep Nat Phillips and Ozanka back together until Henderson, like we said earlier, maybe comes back and gives him a decision to make? Can you keep the rest of the team as it is and as consistent as possible? Obviously, the only areas really Klopp likes to to sort of mix and change things up consistently is probably in midfield. So if you can just you can just find that in some sense going forward and not be coming up with, you know, another small, even if it's a short-term injury and, and not picking up one of those every other week, then that, that would be a massive, massive help for Liverpool. And like you say, they've got, got a couple of players have come back to fitness now, so it gives them more options and the ability to just change things off the bench and give people, even if it's just half an hour at the end of the game, to, to sort of ease their legs in these like this busy schedule. So... Um, yeah, hopefully that can that can bring a, a degree of consistency to, to the team, and that that'll be reflecting the results. And in terms of the the wider impact of the result, Gorsty, I think part of it for me the the big thing is the confidence that Liverpool should take from it, getting themselves into the next round. But the other thing that's probably just as big is that we've now got something to look forward to for the rest of this season. You can look ahead to the draw a week today. You can look ahead to a, a Champions League quarter final. It, just gives everyone a big lift. And as I say, there's something now to look forward to on that horizon. Yeah, it keeps the season alive, doesn't it? Because let's face it, Liverpool are looking up at eighth now. And with Chelsea seven points clear, is it, in fourth? And West Ham, Everton, Tottenham also above them. It's looking increasingly likely that uh, they're going to be in the Champions League unless they're in it as holders. Um, something which um, I wouldn't completely rule out, but um, it's, a, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, even if Liverpool had everyone fit, it's still a difficult Difficult task to do, go and win the Champions League. It's not as, as easy, uh, easier said than done. But um, yeah, as, as I said, it just keeps Liverpool's season rolling on. Um, something to look forward to, as you say. And, and I also think that um, it's Liverpool's away form, you know, whether you consider that one the home leg, it's, it's still away from Anfield, isn't it? And their away form actually has been decent of late. Um, apart from the Leicester game, I think they've won five of the last six. Um, Jordan games that haven't been in Anfield and for all the criticism that has deservedly come their way for the, their form at Anfield they've actually been really good on the road so with the next couple of games coming up against Wolves and then Arsenal hopefully if they can continue this kind of 
running and form and performances, then uh, we'll be seeing something um, a bit more resembling Liverpool that we know by the time that they host Aston Villa on the 10th of April, which will be close to four months since they last won at Anfield, which is incredible, really. So it's um, so, something Klopp said a couple of times in, in his press conferences is that Liverpool haven't had the momentum this season. And he's right to an extent because it's always been about kind of who's the, the latest player to go down injured, what kind of square peg are we going to have to stick in the round hole this weekend? Um, if they can um, carry on this kind of performance against Wolves on Monday and then carry that on, then um, maybe after the international break, they can have a really good tilt at the final, what, seven or eight games of the season and just see where they land. In terms of, of momentum, Theo, I mean, obviously there is an international break coming up. I think it's around 19 days between Liverpool matches. Has that almost come at the wrong time, potentially, if they can continue this form into Wolves? Or would you take it the other way and, and maybe just say it's a bit of time on the training ground for a few players to, to have a little bit of a rest? Um, probably can argue it both ways. Um, we've seen Liverpool have long breaks before between games this season, which is quite a strange feeling. And they haven't turned it on when they've got back to action, but then they've not been able to play into form either when they've been playing games every three days. Um, they have still got a number of players that are just coming back from injury or like Roberto Firmino's missed a couple of games. So the break probably would do them the world of good to get these players up, get them all up to speed. Like we've not seen much of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain this season. So it's like all of them can just get on the training ground and work together. Jurgen Klopp can find this best uh, system for him, whether that's with a Kabak and Phillips at centre-back for being in front of them and get the best out of the full-backs. But then if they do go and beat Wolves off the back of two wins, you just want that next game to come. That will be that feeling of uh, getting it out the way to try and get the momentum to show that the real Liverpool are back. But then Klopp can use that hunger to feed the players that they've had such a poor winter. They've been pretty poor for, what, two and a half, three months now. It's only in glimpses we've seen the best of them. And they've just been wanting to turn it on. When they can have tired minds and tired legs and have this rest, but go into it with a win, wanting to get back on the playing field, it should give them that bit of life, that bit of energy just to keep it up, you'd like to think. Yeah, it should be a confidence boost, David, for the whole Liverpool team. But I think Sadio Mane, just before we move on from the Champions League, is one that I wanted to pick out. He's one that maybe has not had the easiest year so far in, in 2021, but he did miss a couple of chances in the first half, but then does get his goal and, and seems to have a, a big grin across his face when that one went in. Yeah, we've said it before on this podcast, haven't we, that his, his poor form this season sort of gone under the radar with, with a lot of the focus sort of being on Firmino, really, this season in the... Uh, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been quite up there, whether that's just been, you know, playing too frequently, too much sort of pressure on his shoulders with, with all the injuries and, and as Liverpool sort of asking the, the front three to sort of bail them out on a weekly basis because there's been so many injuries in destabilising other areas of the pitch apart from that front three have sort of escaped that, thankfully. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not really sure why it is in it and I didn't think he played well in in, in in the second leg against Leipzig, to be honest, up until his goal. But you just hope, and it, and it can happen to forwards, can't it, that they just get a goal and that, that changes their outlook. And like you said, he, he looked absolutely made up to have scored and, and hopefully that can be, a, you know, the start of a little run for him till, towards the end of the season. I think having Jota back, he'll be a big help. You can miss the odd game now and, and, you know, you can sort of switch up that front three a little bit and that'll be helpful and, you know, not just switching it up, but switching it up and not losing any sort of degree of quality. Jota is is a top player. He's he's worthy of being part of that front three, whoever else is alongside him. So hopefully that can do Mane a favour and we can see him go on a little run of goals towards the end of the season because he's probably due that. It's not, not been a great season by his standards. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure the uh, Wolves game on, on Monday, probably one that he's got his eye on for another goal just to, to keep that momentum going. And Gorsty will... We will talk a little bit about Wolves now just to, to sort of preview that game. It's going to be a different challenge, isn't it, to, to the Leipzig game. Wolves are probably going to sit in and, and try and counter-attack. And it's kind of the system that Liverpool have struggled with so far. It has, and, and that's why I'm so surprised by Leipzig approach. Um, obviously, Julian Nagelsmann's got this reputation as one of the kind of emerging coaches of European football. But he mustn't have seen too many Liverpool games of late. Otherwise, he would have literally have done what, what you suggested there and just stick 10 and 11 men behind the ball and, and wait for their opportunity to inevitably arise because that is the blueprint to success against Liverpool and certainly has been since uh, West Brom got the 1-1 draw at the end of um, December. Yeah, I expect Wolves to do something similar and um, with the likes of Neto and, and Traore in particular, they've got players who, who can counter Liverpool on the break and, OK, Traore hasn't had a, a vintage season but I still think he's a, he's a very good player and someone who um, if you give space, you can absolutely devastate the team. So um, with him and Neto on either wing, they will be a little bit of a deterrent for the likes of um, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson to, to push forward as, as often as they'd like. Um, but I think Wolves have really misfiled him and as haven't he since he, he got that horrendous injury was it against Arsenal. Um, from what, uh, what I've heard from Nuno, it does sound as though it's positive on that score and he will hopefully play again this season, which is great news, but he's, he's going to be absent for this one and Wolves have really struggled for uh, for a bit of a killer instinct up front in, in his absence. Um, they've got the young lad, haven't they? Um, what, what, I always get confused with some of the Wolves players. I think. Yeah. They've got a few yeah. like, generic Portuguese down and players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> William Jose. Yes. Yeah. Not William Jose. It's yeah, the, the first one Matt mentioned. But um, I, I think if Liverpool are looking to kind of really emerge out of a sticky patch, which um, Wednesday's performance would suggest that the, the they're willing to do and capable of doing then I think they've got to go to Molyneux and, and uh, pick up three points. Yeah, absolutely. We've spoken about the, the defensive troubles there. I think since Raul Jimenez has been out for Wolves, they've played 18 Premier League matches and only scored 17 goals. So in terms of those two centre-backs and Fabinho in the Fabinho role, it's probably not a bad game in that sense to, to try that once more. No, it's not. But then this season, it's when we've had teams out of form that they seem to turn it on against Liverpool, where the keepers had a blinder and the strikers that haven't been able to score have managed to get on the score sheet. It's certainly going to be a huge test for them uh, because you just know if we'll sit deep and hit them on the counter-attack. Adama Traore up against Phillips and Kabak could end horribly if they're not careful, if they don't have that added protection for Fabinho. But Liverpool, they've got that confidence now and they've got the consistency. The partnership have had a few games there you like to think it can be a turning point for them. Like It's a game where you're a bit uneasy about what could happen. Wolves have got so much pace on the counter-attack. They've got a couple of good midfielders in Neves and Moutinho who can pick a pass. Obviously, we know they're going to have men behind the ball because they tend to have the three centre-backs. And it's just something that Liverpool can use as a turning point. We've seen them in both games against Leipzig. They've got the victories. The Champions League football is different to how teams are using this blueprint in the Premier League. And it needs to be this turning point for Liverpool to overcome their mental troubles and show that that with Fabinho back in this role and Salah and Marley on the score sheet again, that they have turned a corner. I think that's it, isn't it, David? It's an opportunity to say that this wasn't just one game against Leipzig. This is another team, another slightly different system. OK, they've got one or two quick players, Pedro Neto and Adama Traore being those two. But 
if Liverpool can get a result here, it would really sort of cement that idea that they genuinely have turned the corner. Because as Theo said earlier, you know, Liverpool did beat Leipzig earlier in the season and they didn't seem to turn the corner then. This has to be the one now that they, they actually do that. Yeah, and t- typically these games against Wolves, and obviously the one earlier this season wasn't that wasn't the case. It was a it was a really good performance in Liverpool and a comfortable win. But typically they've been quite close, haven't they? And I think this one one at Molyneux, you always get a test there. It's always even you know no matter what form Wolves are in, they've got a very set play, way of playing, and they know how they're going to go about the game. So they, they'll make things difficult for Liverpool. They they, they always have, even when Liverpool were in their absolute pomp in recent years. So. It's um, yeah, it, it would be be a massive statement for Liverpool to to get the win. Just in terms of like you say, we have definitely turned a corner. This can be the start of a nice little run towards the end of the season, and you know that might still not end up in top four, but I think you know it would still, you know, just to get some wins under the belt and put all that horrendous run behind them is just feels like a, a really important sort of story towards the end of this season. I don't I don't think you could just keep continually losing Premier League games and then you know suddenly over the summer everything changes and you start winning straight from the off the bat I just don't really think that's how players and momentum and confidence really works at this level so uh, yeah I think it's a, it's a big test it's a, it's a different test like you say I think Raul Jimenez is not just a miss because of his goal threat but it's just his ability to to get the ball up the pitch for Wolves and hold up play and and that's a, you know the, the wingers they've got on the pace there they do miss that focal point to play off so that you know hopefully that will make things slightly easier for Liverpool I think with the decision around Fabinho and centre-halves and Nat Phillips, I think maybe, you know, they've got that pace there. But I do think with Nat Phillips, we've seen in other games that you can cope with pace. I think the, the main aim is to stop those passes going through, isn't it? And that's where Fabinho in that holding role or in the Fabinho role, Theo, uh, <laughs> could be so could be so important. Um, Trademark in that. Yeah, and uh, you know Nat Phillips, we've seen him. You know, he came on at half time against Tottenham, and 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 Son didn't really have a sniff. I think you know he can keep pacey forwards quiet if he has that help in front of him in midfield. So uh, yeah, a, a big test of Liverpool, but I think I think one that if they can pass, they'll they'll feel they can just go on a nice little run there. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We've spoken a lot, Gorsi, about the the impact of Fabinho, but. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about Roberto Firmino as well and, and Diogo Jota obviously going back to his former club for the first time since he signed for Liverpool. Do you think the impact of Liverpool's increase has partly been down to, to Jota coming back into the team as well? Because I thought he was really, really good against Leipzig. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have hurt. Well, I, think, I think we've spoken at length about Firmino's struggles this season, six goals, which normally you would be able to overlook. And I think... It was certainly overlooked last season when Liverpool were absolutely flying, but this time around when they're going through, you know, a, a really sticky patch, and then you look at, at the other things that he's not quite bringing to the table that he normally would, then you have to admit that it is a bit of a of a growing concern. So uh, I think I think there's players the likes of Thomas Suchek and Neil Morpé and Mikel Antonio. They've all scored more than Firmino, which for Liverpool number nine, even for the other things that you bring into the, the pitch, probably isn't good enough, is it? So I think. Um, I think Jota's return might just be a little bit of a kick up the backside for Firmino and he'll have been watching on, on Wednesday night on May's side with a trademark smile, no doubt, as Liverpool moved into the quarterfinals. But I think maybe in the back of his head there would have been that little alarm bell that suggested that he's not going to get back in this team immediately and he does have a bit of a fight on his hands to regain his place because uh, if Jota was still out injured, you'd expect Firmino to walk back in ahead of uh, Dave Ocarigi, say, or, or even... The system was tweaked and and as yet and Chikeri, but with Jota, he's just had such a uh, such a positive impact 
all season, really. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Liverpool's number nine instantly gets back into the team. And, and that can only be a good thing for Liverpool, I think, when you think of Firmino having something to prove when his chance comes again and Jota looking to kind of keep him out the side and, and stay in the side himself. So um, I think both players having something to play for will be beneficial for the next two or three months. I suppose, Theo, it's about having that option off the bench as well. I'm not sure whether Roberto Firmino will be back for Monday night's game just yet. But uh, if he is, would you play him or, or would you keep him on the bench? Firmino or Yotta? Firmino. Yeah, Firmino, sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, I'd probably leave him on the bench just because Yotta, he's got that added spice against his former club. I don't think he started against them at Anfield when there had been the expectation for him to. He's missed a lot of football. Like Even when he was back from injury, it's when he got ill. You want him to get some game times in his legs and get back on the scoring sheet. So it's not just uh, Mohamed Salah offering goals on a weekly basis. And Liverpool have looked deadlier with him in the season. Uh, I think whilst it wasn't a vintage sort of performance in the first half, they did create a lot of chances. They just went begging that you'd expect them to score. Maybe it can give them a bit of a boost. Uh, with defences being a lot deeper this season, maybe we're not seeing the best of Firmino because they're not following him as much and it's just leaving bodies in the penalty area. So there's not as much space for Salah and Mane, but when you've got Yotta leading the line rather than coming deeper and they're all moving over the place, it is harder to track and you're hoping that that can give uh, Firmino this little bit of spice to get back into the form of things. But when Liverpool have struggled with the tried and trusted this year, uh, Yotta offers that something a little bit different. And just before we move on to, to team selections then, David, I just wanted to touch a little bit on Liverpool being clinical. That was something that was a bit of an issue in the first half against Leipzig. They got a couple more chances and it was fine in the end. But you'd like them to, to score a few of those against a Wolves team, which probably isn't going to offer as much space in behind as, as Leipzig did. Yeah, they can't they can't be afforded to sort of waste those opportunities regularly. I think I, I think the, the upside is that in recent weeks, in a lot of the games, particularly at Anfield, uh, they haven't been creating opportunities at all. They haven't really sort of disorganised teams or, or looked threatening at all. So I thought it was, even though those, you know, those misses, you would have liked to, them to have bagged a couple more. At the end of the day, if you can keep creating chances that regularly, and, and that's what we were used to throughout these past few years. It, not necessarily, the, I, I even think that front three, when it's on its absolute game, is, is maybe not even the most, clin you know, the most clinical in world football anyway. I think what Liverpool's whole idea was under Jurgen Klopp is to create as many chances as possible throughout the game and, and then some of them or enough of them will go in so I think that's you know not a major worry but like you say you'd maybe like to have seen him get a couple more of those chances and maybe you might have to be a bit more clinical against Wolves because he probably won't make things as easy for uh, for Liverpool as Leipzig did. Yeah absolutely well with that in mind Gorsty we'll uh, move on to our team selections and I'll come to you first I assume everyone's going to go for, for Allison and goal and suppose that the back four has almost talked itself up as well, obviously, with that performance midweek. Yeah, I, I don't see any particular reasons to change now. As I say, I think Quebec and, and Phillips have got to be given the chance to to establish this partnership now between now and the end of the season. And if there are a couple of bumps in the road along the way, then so be it. You know, these are two young, inexperienced centre-backs who, uh, who might not have a, a long-term future between them at Liverpool, but um, it's a sense of needs must, and to be fair, um, I think they've started two games together and kept two clean sheets, so um, fair play to them. And Theo, would you make any changes? Is there any sort of you know option for, for someone like Ben Davis, who's back fit? Is there any sort of changes you might make maybe with Kostas Simikas? We've seen him a couple of times off the bench. Or would you just sort of stick with the, the same back four and say, just go again? 
unchanged back four, like one of Liverpool's biggest issues this year in that defence has been the lack of consistency there. The fact that they haven't had a run of games for them to get used to each other. And it's not just the centre-backs, it's in front of the goalkeeper and it's with the full-backs as well. Granted, Trent and Andy Robertson might have been a bit tired having to play pretty much most weeks, but they've had enough rest after Leipzig and they're going to have enough rest after Wolves to put in another shift. And it is about building those relationships. Granted, it's not going to be a back four we're going to see for Liverpool next season, but if it's going to be the one we're going to see for the rest of this season, you want it to be as stable as possible. And they get that from game time together. Yeah, in total agreement here. And David, I suppose you're probably going to go with the, the same back four, but in terms of, of someone like Simicas, he's had obviously very limited opportunities this season. There is going to have to be a point where you do give him a bit of time on the pitch, but maybe not in this one. Yeah, I think I think maybe the option for him and, and, and what Klopp will maybe look at is is maybe the next Liverpool game before Premier League game before a Champions League game. I think that's where he'll maybe see, you know, I don't think there's top four. I think it's probably long gone now. You know, even if Liverpool got on a great run, the teams are just there's so many teams ahead of them it's gonna be dif- difficult to leapfrog them all. So I think, yeah, maybe when that next Champions League tie comes around then then that's when you maybe see a couple of changes. Maybe we'll even see Ben Davis at that point finally. Um, and, and Simicast, like you say, and uh, but until then, I think just try and get some consistency, like we say, in, into that back four. Now would would probably be a good thing. And Gorsi in midfield, there's a couple of options as we alluded to earlier. There's Naby Cater in contention. Obviously, James Milner is there. Are you going to go for a, a three in midfield, and which three might they be? Yeah, to be honest, um, without giving it all away, which I'm going to give it all away. It's, I, I, I would think the Liverpool team, it would be the same 11 for me because we know that Jurgen Klopp um, doesn't like when you're playing of a Wednesday night and then you're playing of a, of a Saturday, particularly Saturday morning. But with this game coming on the Monday night, Liverpool have had the best part of a week to rest and recover and properly analyse Wolves. So I don't think um, he will need to make um, too many changes, if any. So... Uh, Fabinho back in the Fabinho role, if you like Theo, with um, Wijnaldum and Antiago, and and that's uh, you know for all the problems that Liverpool have had this season, that's still a top class midfield trio, isn't it? So if they can get the upper hand in in that midfield area, then you'd expect Liverpool to to overcome Wolves. And um, with Jordan Henderson out, that is for me Liverpool's best midfield three. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to keep two of them the same. Thiago and Fabinho, I think, absolutely have to play. But I'm going to go with, with Naby Keita, give Gini Wijnaldum a rest there. I think Keita, Fabinho, Thiago could be an exciting trio in the middle of the pitch. Um, potentially, like you want to see Keita get more game times. And if you're leaving out Curtis Jones, that's incredibly harsh considering how well he's played this season. But I'm with Gorsley, just keep it the same. Uh, that, waited so long for Liverpool to put in a good performance and it's the best junior when Adams played in weeks. It's the best Thiago's played all season. Why take them out? It's all very well saying the defence need that game time together. But when Liverpool have had so many injuries that you want the midfielder to have midfield to have that relationship as well uh, when things have been softened down. Stick with what you've got. Naby Cater's time will come. Curtis Jones' time will come. But when you've had the time to recover and all this, just stick with what you've got. Liverpool need three points on the board. Top four is probably gone. The fact that they don't play the teams above them is a big hindrance. And it's one of those where, on paper, they could get a load of good results and go on a run against these teams below them. But that's who they've struggled against. They need every help they can get. And that's what you're going to get from stability and consistency from sticking with a winning team. 
And even if there is the likes of Cater and Jones and Milner on the bench, David, that's a, a decent set of substitutes to be able to use as well. Are you going to go with the, the same three again or, or change it up a little bit? To be honest, I, I'm in agreement with you, Matt. I, I actually think maybe Cater in for Wijnaldum might be the change. I'm, I'm not really one of those people who, who would like to see Wijnaldum out of the team, generally speaking. And, and I think Cater, you know, is signing so far been so, you know so beset by injuries hasn't he it's, it's really been sort of disappointing on the whole but I think you know like we say you just the idea of, of him getting a run of fixtures would be nice and we know he's a, it's a top player but I just think this time it's more a case of um, Wijnaldum is it's like a, a an experimentation on, on a human being the, the limits he can go to in terms of can, like games played in a row it's absolutely incredible what he's got through this season I just think Let's not have him getting an injury towards the end of the season, particularly since there's hope of going slightly deeper in the Champions League. Um, just giving Wijnaldum a day off would would feel really, really important for him. And, and if Naby Keita's fit and he's looked bright in those couple of cameos he's had recently, uh, maybe maybe give Wijnaldum the night off. I, th I think he's absolutely earned it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we know what uh, Gorsty and, and Theo's front threes are. David, are you going to go with the, the same as, as those two or... Is there any sort of argument to, to bring Firmino back in? Well, I think I think in Liverpool's play against Leipzig, there was, you know, at times, even though Jota, I thought, played fantastically well, um, and we absolutely keyed that opening goal, of course, um, there were moments where you sort of missed Firmino in, in the sense of when Liverpool were playing into the final third, the ball would come back occasionally too often just because Jota, in terms of if he's got a man on his back, is, is not Firmino in terms of holding the ball up and, you know, even though his, his play around the, the goal when he comes deep on the, the wing and he, he, he passes it back and he builds it from there, it's, it's fantastic centre-forward play. I think when the man is slightly tighter behind him, he really struggles, which, you know, most most players would. I think both the other wingers are similar in that sense. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's perfect having those those three together. But I think for this one, again, you know, for me, you know, even if he is available for it, I think... Um, I think you know you don't want to take any risks at this point, and you don't want to rush him back for anything. You know that's that's a difficult decision for further down the line. So I think for this game, uh, maybe Jota just to to keep his place in that front three, and and you know even though it's it's not necessarily a perfect unit, there's there's so many goals in those three, isn't there? And they're really really dangerous. Yeah, Salah, Mane, and, and Jota for me as well. I fancy Jota to get one against this former club. Actually, Gorsley, I'll come to you first on a a score prediction. I'm going to go for a two-one Liverpool win. What do you think it might be? Yeah, I, I can see something similar. Actually, I think um, I, I think I, I agree with, with what Lynch said earlier in the part about Liverpool taking the chances because um, while it was it was quite refreshing to actually see them get the chances the other night because they haven't even been getting out of late. Um, it was still a little bit of a worry that it took them maybe four or five really good chances in before Salah stuck that one away. So I think they're going to have to be a little bit more clinical against the team who are probably going to be happier to defend but um, I, I, maybe you can see a, possibly just, just nicking a 1-0 So yeah, we'll come to you next Will Liverpool keep a clean sheet? What do you reckon? Um, I'm probably going to go 2-1 as well It's just uh, a hard one to see Liverpool getting the Premier League clean sheet Granted they've done it in the Champions League but they have been harder to come by in domestic action this season and Wolves are that threat on the counter-attack for me, it's whoever gets the first goal. Like if Liverpool get that first goal, you've got faith in them getting the job done. But if it's another first half without them scoring, with them missing chances, and then they fall behind, you do start to worry. But you like to think that this win's given them a bit more belief to get the job done and with the options coming back. Uh, but yeah, a hard-fought, tight 2-1. 
Yeah, and David to to finish us off another Liverpool win. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think Wolves have, have sort of struggled for goals this season, haven't they? I think that's been an issue for them. I think they'll make things difficult and tight for Liverpool, but it's yeah, it's it, for them scoring goals is as much as an issue, much more of an issue really than it has been for Liverpool. So, um, so I'm going to go for a two 0 to Liverpool. Yeah, wins all round. It's been a, a little while since I think all four of us <laughs> yeah. have predicted a win, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed Liverpool can get that job done. That just about brings us to the end of the podcast today, though. We'll be back, of course, with the next Blood Red show on Tuesday next week after Liverpool play on Monday night. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Paul Gorst, David Lynch and Theo Squires. Until next time here on the Blood Red channel, thank you for watching and listening and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.